This is a Feyua. Awesome. So today, ladies, um, I was having a conversation with a friend of mine a few months back um, from Kenya, and she was kind of complaining about how she didn't understand why um, colonialism happened, one, and two, the fact that there are so many things that are left over um, in our countries that showed that colonialism happened. Um, and she gave a very simple example of, you know, the name of our country, Kenya. And I started thinking about like, wow, like if we think about it, a lot of our countries that are being called whatever they're called today never gave themselves that name. Um, They were names that were given to us by, you know, colonial masters and all that fun stuff. So I just figured that we'd have a conversation about the remnants of colonialism and how it affects the everyday life of Africans. Um, And so to start off with, um, we had talked about, I think, in a couple of episodes in a few seasons ago, I guess, um, about names and how, like, names are important in our cultures and, like, people are very intentional about the names that we have. And I was very curious um, to hear your thoughts about why you think maybe some Africans, you know, decided to keep their names even though they weren't names that were given to them by um, their ancestors or whatever. I guess because it's easier. Mm. Are you are we talking now about personal names or like like country like names country names country names country names? So, for example, I can give you a few. So, um, so Kenya, I guess in uh, some Kenyan language, Kikuyu culture um, was actually called Kirinyaga, and then in another language, it's Kirinya. But I guess whoever. When he, whenever he was communicating with the people, it ended up as Kenya. Mm. But that wasn't really the name that they were called, but they went with it, right? Mm. Whereas you have mm. countries like uh, Benin Republic that were like Dahomey before, and mm. their country were like, you know, we need to get rid of any traces of colonial anything, and then they became Benin Republic. Right. So why why do you think that some of us kept our names, and do you think that that has any effect Going by the African rule of things, where your name, you know, determines your outcome in life. Do you think that has any effect on, you know, the outcome of our countries right now, how they are? So I think that, um, I think we kept our names because right after colonization, there was like, you know, with the end of colonization, things we didn't immediately have complete agency Mm -hmm. like you know how when you get out of a situation you also when you physically when you're physically out of a situation you also have to like mentally get out of the situation Mm -hmm. and the mental healing or distancing or or um recovery Mm -hmm. is not immediate Mm -hmm. you know so unless there was a and i guess like people were also focusing on other battles or Mm -hmm. you know like 
how do we organize a, our own government? How do we put certain structures in place? How do we become self-governing? All of those things mm-hmm. that maybe there wasn't a concerted effort to think about like naming and history and like that significance. Mm. So maybe they, maybe that just fell on the wayside. And maybe because like for you to with hindsight, as they say, hindsight is twenty twenty. Mm-hmm. Like after years of introspection, yeah. you can now come to a certain clarity of mind that you won't have had when mm-hmm. you were in the thick of things. Yeah. So, if if in that space and time people were not necessarily because a lot of the ills of colonization, a lot of the atrocities were not known. Were mm-hmm. not. I don't know if they were like widespread known or like their impact wasn't I don't know, maybe I'm misyarning. I don't want to misyarn. <laughs> um my point is that like distance and mm. time mm-hmm. gives perspective that one yeah, gives unique perspective essentially. Mm-hmm. So maybe it wasn't a priority for our for foremothers and, you know, our, our forebearers at that time. Mm-hmm. Um yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I feel like the opinions I have are all speculations because I don't know if there was an effort to rename Nigeria. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. So, and it's just because it was successful, we don't know about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so this is speculation. So, people listening, please take this with a grain of salt. And if you have (laughs) more information than we do, please feel free to share resources. But, um, Mm -hmm. yeah, I think. You know, renaming is such an important part of reinvention. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I can see how it makes sense, like, if you gain independence to change your name, either back Mm -hmm. to what it was before or to something new. But then also I know, like, even amongst us, this podcast is only, like, about three, a little over three years old. And even (laughs) we've had a conversation about possibly changing our name. And mm. we are only three, <laughs> you know, <laughs> our age is not even, cannot even be compared to the age of like other countries, but yeah. it's so hard to change. And also the even name. deciding on the name. Yeah. will start with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's that, but also like for a podcast that's only three years old, it was such a, we realized the significance of changing the name. So I can't imagine mm. like if a country wants to change its name, you know, the thought that would go into it and it's probably just easiest to stick with what you already have. Um, mm, yeah. But yeah, but all that to say, I don't know if there was a plan to, you know, or if other countries, you know, thought about it. Um, because I know, for example, like with the Civil War, coming mm-hmm. up with a name Biafra was was a big deal. Like you yeah. have to give yourself a name if you want to start afresh. But mm-hmm. I don't know if that's something that you know countries, yeah, think about. about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's fair. And I'll go ahead, Ifeb. This is fair. And I was just because you also, if anyway, you made it like appear sharper in my head. The fact that, like, your name is such a big part of your identity, too. Mm-hmm. Also, like, renaming is essentially having to craft a new identity. And that can be daunting, you know. Mm-hmm. That can be, like, okay, yeah, yeah. So, you're already attached to your name and identity and, and yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it was just interesting for me to just, like, take that information that she gave me and, like, just kind of look and see what other African countries had, like, change their names and what was the reason for changing their names and for a majority of Mm -hmm. them it was to get away from 
the colonial powers that, you know, mm -hmm. had infringed upon their country. And funny enough, Congo, actually, Republic of Congo, wasn't always Republic of Congo. Um, it has actually gone through multiple name changes with Mobutu deciding that, okay, we're going to change it to something else. And then more recently, like in the 1996 or something, it got changed back to Republic of Congo. So I, I do see how it's a daunting task. But like, if you really feel like, you know, to rebrand yourself, you need a new name and it's essential for progress, then I guess you would, you would do it. Um, I always remember thinking of Nigeria as like the product of a, you know, a love child between Lord Lugard and Flora Shaw, the person who named it because she was like his mistress or something. And I'm like, she gave us our name and we're just like out here, man, being children of a mistress, but whatever. Hey, don't people listening who are children of mistresses? Oh my god, I there's not, nothing wrong yeah, with you. No, 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 no. There, there is, please do not drag me. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. I'm just saying in my head when I was a child, hearing the story with my childhood mentality, that's what I was thinking of. Okay, yeah, <laughs> thanks for clarifying. That's not what I meant in any way. Um, okay, so so moving on, what are some things... Wait, sorry. Yes, ma'am. Before we move on, the we're talking about countries who have been named and, re yeah. you know, I mm -hmm. guess, quote-unquote, rebranded. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, Zimbabwe. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They did. They yeah. Did. That's and true. And I, I, I guess I'd like to know more about how that process came about. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So our listeners, if you have any resources about the process of changing Zimbabwe's name and you know, mm -hmm. all of the effects that came with it. Yeah, mm -hmm. please we, let us love know. to learn more. Yeah, and Tanzania as well. Like there, there are a few countries that have. Oh, what was Tanzania called before? It was Tanganyika and Zanzibar, and then oh, so they okay, took so out was... the. So it was Tan, and then yeah, Zania somewhere. I don't know, but from so the name was it's supposed to be a joint name from Tanganyika and Zanzibar. Mm. well but then also i'd be curious to know how that name because i know you were implying or yeah implying that like changing the name like affects your destiny slash faith yeah because or... i feel like a lot of times when children are named like there it's usually sometimes circumstantial or like there's this belief that the name that you're, you're given will have some type of outcome yeah, so I wonder if these countries that we, you know, mentioned as examples, if there was any, diff I don't know if there's any study that's been done to see, you know, the pe the citizens, like, perspective of themselves and their country, mm. if that changed, when the name changed. changed. Like, what that's did that, true. how did that affect, yeah, if mm. it did have any effect on them at all. Yeah. Mm. I just true. remembered another country, Ghana. Yeah, that's true. Called the Gold Coast. Gold Coast. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, that's our darling true. neighbors. Mm -hmm. Is that why they're progressing yeah. further? I don't know. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, if we if we want to say that, is Zimbabwe progressing further? Mm, girl, listen, I'm not out here dragging. Let's not drag. <laughs> <laughs> Especially, What's... we cannot now be the ones to do the dragging. Like, I, know. Exactly. So, I know. I just, you know. I'm oh, <laughs> just going to keep quiet, though. <laughs> <laughs> it's just be a self-drag. I know. All around the place. Okay, so moving on from this dragging. Um, 
do you guys notice anything within the everyday life um, of, you know, I guess Nigerians, because that's what we've experienced, or Africans, that are reminiscent of colonialism? So, like, apart from names. Well, my sister is a lawyer. Yeah, by the way, my sister just passed the Nigerian bar. She is officially... Come at us. We have a lawyer. A solicitor <laughs> and barrister nice. of the Nigerian Supreme Court. I mean, how do they address themselves? Of the Nigerian Bar Association? I don't know. But anyway, she's a lawyer. Nice. So what comes to mind immediately is like the wig and gown. Why? <laughs> it's too hot. Wow. That horse hair <laughs> shit and like the dark robes. Mm-hmm. You know, those things were created for the temperate. Mm-hmm. Um, climate, English climate, <laughs> the temperate UK climate, and they now imported it here. And like, it's just like you know, let's be using our heads when we're adopting things. <laughs> let's not swallow things hook, line, and sinker without mm-hmm. any critical thoughts. And mm-hmm. why? Yeah, yeah. I've always and in Nigeria, where yeah, and in Nigeria, where like infrastructure is shit, mm-hmm. you, it's not like there's AC to be cooling you down or. <laughs> You are in this heat, and this one that like Nigerians also like. Well, maybe I should not. I should. Yeah, I should, maybe not. I should turn down the self drive <laughs> yeah, yeah. in it. Yeah. <laughs> I've always wondered about that. Like, why? Like, even if it it was the thing, you know, back then, like, why hasn't it been reformed? Or I guess maybe it's just tradition, and they're like, we'll just keep it. I don't know. Anything else that you guys can think of? Uh, I mean, English. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for Language. sure, that's a big import of colonialism, but also religion. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a big import of colonialism. Mm-hmm. Um, Housing, actually. Like, the way we construct our buildings. Yeah, because I mean, I know when I used to live in Ikoi, there were so many houses that hadn't been um, renovated. So there were still the same houses that were built for um, the British when they were living in Mm -hmm. Ikoi at the time. And the same. Yeah, it's just nothing has changed. There's certain areas you go to, you're like, wow, straight from the 60s, though. Um, (laughs) Nothing's changed. Uh Let's see. I guess meat pie. <laughs> if that <laughs> excuse me, our beef patties. Please do not look. <laughs> Wait, meat like... pie. Is meat pie not you know and Scotch egg? Yeah, right. You yeah make some good points. Some of our snacks. <sighs> oh my god! Not a lot of it. I don't think we have like a heavy, heavy. Um colonial influence on our food i may be wrong if anybody else knows and can but i think yeah we have some but not a heavy yeah super heavy Mm -hmm. i would agree with that too um and i mean even clothing clothing wise i think like there there's obviously western influences in the way that we dress but then at the same time we're also very you know proud of our traditional, you know, attires and stuff too. Um, so maybe, maybe not a lot of things after all. If you guys listening to I this mean, can this think was... of any, let us know. Sorry, Ethi, what did you do? Yeah, because I mean, the question itself is still it's 
Because because uh, I'm thinking in my head, what is a Western influence versus colonial colonial yeah what's an effect of like globalization Mm -hmm. yeah so it's hard for me i'm like trying to parse that out because even with clothing too a lot of that is you know a face towards the west and i don't know if it's necessarily colonial colonial but yeah so but maybe names having english names Mm -hmm. but your best don't do that though (laughs) <laughs> some of us do. some people do <laughs> no but it, it's, such, it's such a it, it's uh it's such a strong part of like i feel like most Igbos are the ones that i find like have english names and usually don't do baptism but i mean mm. i'm sure i guess the exceptions but yeah, I guess like maybe also like Igbos were also Igbos are heavy more heavily catholic than mm-hmm. And there's the whole thing of like baptism, mm-hmm. like getting in union with baptism. Mm-hmm. And I, that's not something I've encountered outside of the like Catholic or Anglican church. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. That's fair. Hmm. Yeah, another instance where religion and culture mm-hmm. intersect because it's like, you know, most Igbos are Catholic and during baptism. Or, you know, Igbos who are Anglican, they get a new name, but... Mm-hmm. Yeah, anyway, it's something thinking about. That's fair. Okay, so then, in in light of, you know, last episode, Ivanka talked about this fake benevolent relationship that people believe that, you know, Lucifer and Africa have with the Portuguese um, who colonized them. Um, I'm kind of trying to think of our relationship um, with the <laughs> what what does that relationship look like in 2018 such that what are our attitudes towards them in our countries and outside of our countries when we go to visit theirs well i feel like they think we're a nuisance so it's like it, it's a weird it's weird Say more. i think i think that with immigration policies and things like that like you can even you know the wind rush scandal in the uk for example I don't know if you guys heard about the Windrush scandal. So the Windrush era was essentially a period, I think, after the Second World War, when um, the UK was inviting people from former colonies or still colonies to come and essentially... I don't know if it was after the Second World War. I don't know, guys. Maybe I'm... Anyway, a period <laughs> where they essentially invited people from former colonies or current colonies to come to the, the quote, they call it the mother, I don't know what they were called, they call it the motherland or the mothership, but anyway, come to the UK to like help with the economy and help, so a lot of the Windrush people came and built the NHS essentially, so a lot of Caribbean nurses built the NHS into what it is now and, and stuff, but recently in the UK government's crackdown on immigration, a lot of these people lost their status. So imagine mm. coming to the UK as a 20-something, like, you know, coming to the UK as a, as a soldier, as a nurse, when you're 20, and in your 60s, they're now telling you you're not a citizen. Wow. And at that point in time, because you were still part of the former, you were still part of the colony, like, being part of the colony meant that you were a 
a citizen of the mm-hmm. of the you were a subject of the queen. Mm-hmm. So like you came in as a citizen, but now forty years later they are telling you, oh, by the way, like because and because a lot of these people they just came and they just stayed. Mm-hmm. They didn't like travel out. They didn't was it, it was taken as a given that they were just like, you know, British citizens. So in the recent like immigration policy crackdown. A lot of these people like lost their status. It was a big scandal, and a lot of and it, it was not as if no, oh, whoops, we made a mistake. It was an intentional like kind of like cleansing and removal hmm. of people who have given their lives to this to the country and of people who have who have um who have lived in this country all their lives. That what is what is to say is that um. They like to paint this picture of oh Commonwealth, you know, like they all just do like this stupid mm-hmm. Commonwealth. <laughs> I don't know if it's stupid. Let me just turn down the anger. But they'll be doing all this solidarity. Oh Commonwealth Games, mm-hmm. Commonwealth this. We're part of the one Commonwealth, but their actions, you know, um, say otherwise. Essentially, is what I'm trying to convey, mm. and specifically for Nigeria and. And the UK, I'm not a, I'm not a policy expert. I'm not an immigration expert. But there was a time where, for Nigerians, there was this like policy floating around. I don't know if they actually implemented it, but they were like, oh, if you're coming to the UK, you have to put a deposit of like two thousand pounds or something because like a lot of people, they want to curb people going to the UK and not leaving. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, like. The shot essentially made it difficult, more difficult for people to visit the UK, and they made it more they made it more difficult for people to like remain in the UK. So mm-hmm. before, um, if you studied in the UK, it was like fairly easy for you to get a get to work and like essentially get to live in the UK after your studies. Like they made that that process much stricter. Mm. So. Um. Yeah. Like, I think it's still an. I think it's, a, it's still a low key exploitative relationship. Maybe not even low key, but like, they say they want good relationships with former colonies. They say whatever, mm-hmm. but um, immigration policies and things like that mm-hmm. say otherwise. Mm-hmm. And um. Also, so like, and so Nigerian. British Nigerian British people, British Nigerians like do a lot of things in the U- like Anthony Joshua, who mm-hmm. is the UK's like boxing, <laughs> boxing champion, yeah. is Nigerian. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of Skepta is Niger his parents are Nigerian. So like we bring a lot of like culture and the former colonies bring a lot of culture and like like England will be dusty as fuck and like boring as fuck without the the spice and pinkness that <laughs> its former colonies bring to it. Do you understand? Mm-hmm. And they don't and like all of the British Museum is not filled with treasures of mm-hmm. former colonies. Mm-hmm. I mean. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. Mm-hmm. So I feel like I just went on a run. <laughs> you're fine, you're allowed to vent. <laughs> um sorry, remind me what the question was again. So, what are our attitudes? What's the relationship between the colonized and the colonizer? So, at least with our case, Nigeria and the UK, what does that relationship look like? 
now? Mm. Mm, I cannot speak too much about the UK. Um, <laughs> but I do know, and this might not be an answer to the question, but I, I remember, I can't remember who the finalist was for either last year's uh, Kane Prize. Um, but she was questioning why this award that's titled that is for African writing, why it's hosted in the UK. Um, so it's, you know, for those who know, it's like this, the Kane prize for African writing, it's like an annual award that goes to a short story by an African writer. Um, but the ceremony is held in, I think in London somewhere in the UK. Um, and so one of the finalists was questioning why the ceremony isn't held on the continent. Um, so I guess it's just one of those, it was just an example of, I don't know, the colonizers land being better (laughs) or maybe, I don't know, maybe they feel like they're the ones giving the money. So the ceremony and award should be held on their, on their premises or whatever. Um, But, yeah, that's just one bit that came to mind. I just want to clarify the Windrush generation. So the Windrush generation, yes, refers to immigrants invited to the UK after the Second World War. So I was right when the UK was facing a labor shortage. So, yeah. So um, between 1948 and 1971. So I know in the past couple of years, this concept of bi-Nigerian, you know, has been really, really popularized um, in an effort to kind of like make people recognize that like Nigerian made products are good because I guess it seemed that the idea at the time was that, you know, if it's foreign, then it's better. Um, And so promoting this idea of bi-Nigerian, bi-Nigerian, like we're, we're doing good. Do you think that we still feel like in some strange way that the the colonizers the western world is is better than us and so we reach out or yearn for them um because we think they're better uh i guess i I guess maybe probably if we go to the roots of it on the surface it might not seem like the reason why a lot of people tend to gravitate towards foreign-made products is and Charlie, I don't know. It feels weird to answer this question being in the West. Like, I don't mm-hmm. know. there's something, there's something, I don't know. My mind is being messed up being in the West answering this question or being in the States answering this question. Um, because I buy for anyway, that's yeah. Um, yeah, I guess on the surface, it's, it seems like, oh, that's what's in vogue. So that's why mm-hmm. people are buying it. But maybe at the root, Maybe it is this idea that I, because your because your question is this posturing towards foreign made products. Does it mean that we think foreigners slash the colonizer is better than us? Which um I don't know. It's a deep it's a deep question that I don't quite know how to answer. Because, yeah, because I guess on, on on the surface, if you're doing something to please somebody, or if you're doing what somebody else does, 
I guess on some basic level, you think that that person's standard is better than yours or in some ways better than you. So I guess in some reductive sense, yes, but it feels more... Uh, and also part of me is like, are we generalizing? Because you, like you're saying, there are people, there are campaigns pushing against that to mm-hmm. support local things that are being made locally and things that are being made in our own respective countries. Um, yeah, but if I, you wanted to say something. Yeah, I was going to say that or, yeah. So the thing, I think for me personally, I think it's a matter of, it's not that we lack the talent mm-hmm. or we lack the creativity to create things of equal or even better caliber. I think it's a matter of a breakdown in processes mm-hmm. of quality control and accountability. Mm. So I hate like I hate I feel like sometimes when we talk about certain things we, we talk about we kind of repeat the same causes and it kind of feels like uh uh-uh, you never reach. Mm. But the truth of the matter is like corruption and like lack of accountability and all of these things make degrade the value of our of our um of our of, of things we make so mm. if there's no if people f- food factory plants aren't being inspected or if mm. they can if people can get away with bribing somebody mm-hmm, who's supposed mm-hmm. to inspect something to make sure that what we're consuming is safe mm-hmm. you know like and that, that means the quality will not be great mm-hmm. do you understand what i'm saying mm-hmm. so i don't think it's necessarily in necessarily like a oh it's the colonizer is better the western world is better is it is it is a matter of what our own standards in our Mm. countries and Mm -hmm. how are we ensuring that our creativity our talents or whatever is reflected in the in our outputs of products that we Mm. put out into the world Mm -hmm. so there was a story about oh like exports in nigeria like when we export i think beans or food stuff or whatever Mm -hmm. a lot of it doesn't meet eu standards Mm. so like there'll be overuse of maybe pesticides or like do you know someone like Mm -hmm. this is this is stuff that should easily is is, is, we should easily be able to fix and like Mm -hmm. do Mm -hmm. but like we don't because the the processes and the checkpoints are not in place Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. But I will say that, like, I'm becoming really, I'm I'm very excited for industry in Nigeria, especially the fashion industry. Like, there are a lot of, this it feels like a <laughs> random, I don't know. Anyway, there are a lot of fashion ready-to-wear brands, Nigeria ready-to-wear brands that are doing amazing, mm-hmm. that I'm so proud of and so excited to see when I go online. So, like, I I bought a couple from, um, my TS, my 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 T five S is a like ready to wear Nigerian like retail um brand, and they sell on they have their stuff on Instagram, and I bought a couple of things from them, and they're so well made, and they're like they're great, mm. and you know from some other people. So I think that we are on the right path, and I think that I guess. If our government is being ineffective in ensuring that standards are raised, that it behooves us 
personally because now that people have other options like it's a global it's the world is becoming more global and people have the option to like either patronize you or not that mm. it behooves individual individual businesses and organizations to raise their standards if mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah mm. i don't know i feel like this kind of like became a different tangential topic but yeah yeah no that's that, that a great those were great points yeah I, I definitely agree with that. Like, if anyone said, it is a great point. The fact that at the end of the day, um, you want value for your money. And mm-hmm. so if you're spending money, you're hoping that the product that you're getting, you know, are not going to kill you. The products that you're getting are, you know, up to standard. And if on a systematic level, those infrastructures don't exist, then because you want value for your money, you're going to put your money where you, you know, you're going to get optimum value. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so that's fair. Um, so, but then in, in relation to that though, wh- where I'm trying to go, where, what I'm trying to get us to kind of reflect on is I know growing up, I mean, not so much now, cause I don't know that I have these conversations now, um, is, you know, hearing people refer to, whiteness or westernness um as ideal um so maybe marrying someone who was white and you're going to end up having mixed race babies as ideal so like the closer to whiteness that it is the closer to europeanness that it is then the more finesse the more um ideal and i don't maybe it was just conversations that i was involved in or i heard growing up i don't know if any of you have had any of those kind of experiences with people having that mentality that maybe whiteness is better or getting the closer you are to whiteness, the better. What's the question? Have you had any experiences or encounters or conversations where you feel like people have this mindset? Yeah, it's like pretty, (laughs) it's not an uncommon mindset to have. Like I'm, I'm, yeah, I don't. I'm not sure what's. So what where are you, you? Where do you think? Where do you think that mindset is coming from? Anti-blackness and internalized racism and like colonial colonial mentality. Abby, mm-hmm. that's fair. Sure. I'm, so I'm like, just curious. You know, I I need a little more prodding. About, I I just need your 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 opinions about why you think why. Okay, yes, anti-blackness. Yes. Co- racism but where is that coming from like at the root of that like where where is that coming from where where are we taught that where are we fed that so the effects of colonization don't just they linger so if you if somebody came to like you know say that they're your master if somebody came to like bend your way of life to their way of life if somebody came to tell you that they're superior mm-hmm. you know it, you don't automatically you don't you don't unlearn that overnight. Right, exactly. And if, like, they remain the dominant power, if they remain dominant for, for, for decades after, if they still continue to control your how your policy... Do you understand what I'm saying? Like, Yeah, no, I, I agree with like, that. That's, that's what I was asking. I guess I should have done a better job. Okay. So, yeah. It's like, the more powerful... More powerful is... It, what would I... Is it more powerful with being or body or whatever mm-hmm. the more powerful side dictates kind of the standards and dictates what's desirable and you know so it's 
it's on learning that and questioning that. Mm-hmm. It's from on learning and questioning that that we can then like uncover the truth and like begin to to understand that those are lies and like we are just as good if you know we're yeah that we're enough. Mm-hmm. Um, I yeah I don't. You think like you have anything to add? Um. I just remember in primary school when we had some white kids come. I think they were with us for like a few days. I don't really remember why they were in our school, but they were there for a few days. And I remember like being struck by how differently they were treated. Um, And most people who have grown up in Nigeria know the stories of like... um, how easily kids are punished in school and just beaten and flogged and spanked (laughs) and how just, man, anyway, how kids are treated in schools. But like, I was so, it was very obvious that these children who were white were being treated differently than the way we were treated. They were spoken to in softer voices. They were handheld. They were just treated very differently. And I think that's just one thing that, you know, that happened like years and years ago, but has always stayed with me because of just the stark difference in how, I mean, granted when a stranger comes to see a house, you treat them differently, but still Mm -hmm. I, I could sense that it was attributed to the way they looked. Um, Mm -hmm. And that's, yeah, that's like, if I was saying that's, you know, common across the board, like one would think that like in countries that are, you know, racially homogeneous and whatnot, that there wouldn't be these Mm -hmm. kind of uh, mentalities. But, you know, it it goes to what Ifeb brought up earlier about anti-blackness and, um, you know, having colonial you know colonizers who were white and you know essentially disseminating ideas about how whiteness is better Hmm. and also like and that story if anyone just made me like that means these people your school teachers and Mm -hmm. proprietors and administration they knew how they were treating oh Mm-hmm. you people was mm-hmm. bad mm-hmm. so why was there now a marked difference between mm-hmm. how they treated the white kids they know one side you know it's just mm-hmm. like this this is a self-owned this is a self-gotcha because you people know mm-hmm. that's how you flog these children indiscriminately how you you know you mm-hmm. know that it's bad mm-hmm. anyway yeah. well and, and yeah. yeah but also i think oh. there's also this idea and oh man it's bringing up all these feelings because it goes back to the idea that maybe blackness is bad and there's mm-hmm. something that has to be beaten out of you. There you go. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that like, I don't know, like, oh, because you're black and because you're white, you'll be handled differently. Because I even, another weird example is I had some family friends visit when I was younger and they weren't white, but they were American. And mm-hmm. so they were also treated differently. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was because like, oh, you know, the students are soft. Like, <laughs> if you shout at them, wow. they'll fall apart. Like, mm-hmm. you can't treat them the same way, you know, you treat Nigerian kids. There was also that too, even though like, but then over time, like, of course, that's, that's newness started to wear away. And it's like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. But when they first came, it was like, okay, we speak to them softly. Like, oh, what do you want to eat? It's like, ah, nobody will ask me what I want to eat though. Whatever I see on the table is what I would get. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, so even though 
those family friends weren't white. They were visiting from the States. And so the way they were treated was also different. Mm. And I was just going to point out that, you know, that's why it's so important, like the decolonization and this Mm. movement to decolonize academia, decolonize Mm -hmm. history, just like decolonize your mind. It's so, so important because so many layers that you begin to uncover and so many things that will begin to be revealed to you as lies and Mm -hmm. just, you know, propaganda from colonizer propaganda so mm-hmm. yeah i just want to say that yeah mm-hmm. it's important that we uh, that we do that that we decolonize our minds and our uh, spheres of life and and disciplines and all of that mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i think but one i think big that one for me sorry is travel like how we treat each other when we go to each other's countries um yeah. and there are countries where they don't need a visa to go to your country just because they're like the other but to like tanzania for example i was listening to adana's vlog of how all of a sudden nigerians you know can't get visa on arrival um in tanzania anymore and the way they treated them with so much disrespect um and it's like but if this was someone who was maybe white you wouldn't do that you wouldn't treat them like that almost like you have a different level of respect you know mm-hmm. for their whiteness mm-hmm. and lastly no we're not going to spend the same... Is it not still the same vacation we are going? Are we going there to what? What are we going there to do? Mm. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And I wanted to just add briefly to what Ifeb mentioned about decolonizing one's mind, decolonizing, you know, literature, all all the things that need to be decolonized. Um, I think one step is always asking why why you're Mm -hmm. doing something and not just doing it because it's always been done that way. I think it's when we begin to question the way we do things, that's how, you know, it's like essentially critical thinking, like asking why, and then you begin to uncover the layers because some things are so deeply embedded in us that Mm -hmm. it just becomes the way we do things. And then when we start to ask questions, we're like, Oh, this is why, you know, I wouldn't have known that was the reason why I was doing this if I hadn't, thought more about why I was doing it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. You actually just reminded me of a tweet um, that Ozia Tommy put up, I think it was a couple of days ago, where she was asking, like, why exactly do we, like, have a thing against the left hand? Like, why do we force <laughs> children to, like, write with their right? Like, where where did that come from? Like, like what what is that? Like, you know, little things like that, asking yourself, like, what, why exactly am I doing this? Is it just because we've always done it? Or, like, there is actually, like, a logical reasoning behind, you know, some of the things that we do. Um, but, yeah, so I think, yeah, please decolonize your mind. If you talked about, you know, the British museums and how they have, you know, relics in their museums that are from us, that they've stolen, um, but people go in there and they're paying daily. Is there any remnant of colonization that we can monetize? <laughs> that's a good point. That's a, that's a good angle. <laughs> I haven't actually thought of that. Um, I don't know. I don't know. Because if it, because well, ugh, blah, 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 blah. is it as easy as reversing it? Because I can imagine that the things that they have was due to the power due to Mm -hmm. the power imbalance so i don't know if we have the same 
power. Yeah, and, and I don't know. I don't yeah. know that it might necessarily be the same thing. So I'm not saying like, oh, we're gonna open a museum, for example. Um, but like, and like Cuba, their things are basic as fuck too. Like, who wants? Like, what do we want to put in our museum? Like, I don't know, the fort, <laughs> the knife. Like, you know what? The wig. Right. Okay. So, so for example, um, if you when you think of Cuba, what are like the things that come to mind? I, mean, I think of like 50s. <laughs> I, I think of I think of 50s cars like that were stuck in You think time. of what? 50s cars from the 50s? Yeah. Yeah. That were stuck in time. And so I know a lot of people who want to go to Cuba because that's not anywhere else. And I'm thinking in Lagos for example, right? This might be a stretch. But in Lagos for example, I know that like in um what's it called? On the on the main not mainland, Lagos Island. Uh, Broad Street, like those areas, there were a lot of buildings that were um, built by the colonizers. There are areas where like has a lot of Portuguese um, and even Hispanic influence that were built by some of the Spaniards and stuff um, that the Vegas state government is breaking down. Um, Mm -hmm. Where I feel like if those were things that were kept and updated, it could be, could be um, maybe a way to, I don't know, have some some type of money coming from there of like people visiting and touring and saying oh like this is old lagos or this is i don't know spanish lagos i don't know like i'm really because i'm really thinking like if we went through this trouble surely there has to be some kind of i don't know not necessarily Mm. benefit but some way that we can yeah i guess benefit from the unfortunate situation because they are currently still benefiting from from colonization Mm. So will we always be hmm. in deficit? Hmm. Uh, I hope I not. Never... <laughs> I hope not. Know. I hope we get to a place where, you know, with buying, supporting Nigerian brands, and hopefully we start to create new and better, better and newer standards for ourselves, where we eventually establish ourselves. Um, Mm. and I don't know, become a, I don't know, maybe a country to look, I don't know, to look up to, um, Mm. yeah. And get to a place where like we are supporting ourselves when we're not, we're not relying on, I don't know, international aids or, Mm. or whatnot. Yeah. That's fair. Um, so just to wrap up the episode, like obviously Mm. there are, you know, remnants of colonialism that's sprinkled through our mindsets, our school systems, um, the way that we interact with one another. Um, and you guys have said, you know, decolonize your mind. What are some practical ways that you can give to the listeners to decolonize, to actively intentionally decolonize? I guess just question, like if anyone said, question why and interrogate and, and try to even go out of your way to learn more about about history again it comes back you know all of these things are just so connected the fact that history isn't really it's not a required subject mm. i don't even, we don't even have history in when i was in secondary school i did not take a history class what i took was social studies social which was studies, kind of yeah. a weird amalgam <laughs> of history and and civics and all of that mm-hmm. but there was no like you know, history was a was a an elective subject. How can history be elective? Mm-hmm. In se- anyway, that's a rant for another day. Um, but yeah, like 
it has to be, it can't be passive it has to be active so when they say decolonize your mind you have to be ready for ready to do work and be ready for discomfort and mm-hmm. be ready to like learn some things about learn some things about yourself and your country and your and 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 the world that are uncomfortable and disappointing to to learn i guess mm-hmm. um and you have to work through it anything easy um yeah i guess yeah asking asking why that was something i brought up earlier but i think something else would be i know pan-africanism is something you know word fancy words to throw around but i honestly do believe in um connection between other african countries is 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 a way to decolonize Mm -hmm. our minds i think Mm -hmm. supporting you know other african countries tourism and music and media and literature um Mm -hmm. learning about other their history seeing how we're connected i I do think it's is another way of if not like out maybe not um obviously you know decolonizing our mind but i think it'd be a way to refocus our gaze inward as opposed to outward Hmm. that's good that's good um i would definitely say um make yourself accessible to being called out um because i think a lot of times we get very defensive when other people say hey that way why did you do that that isn't you know that's reflecting x y and z um and it makes us uncomfortable and that's fine um but you know I think in the same way that decolonizing your mind is intentional from like you doing stuff. Um, I think it's also important that you are reflective of when people say certain things or when people come at you a certain way that you're open enough to be introspective and say, wait, maybe I am doing something that is because of the colonizer. I don't know. Mm. Um, so to wrap up this episode, can you guys just tell the people what you're listening to, reading, watching, all that fun stuff? This is Ifeanyua. I am currently reading a book, a memoir by Haruki Murakami titled What I Talk About When I Talk About Running. I have a race tomorrow, so this is like feels like the perfect time to read this memoir about writing and uh, running and how those two things are connected. Um, and I've always wanted to read something by Murakami, but could never figure out the first thing I wanted to read. And so this memoir feels like the great place to start because now I'm more invested. Um, and I look forward to reading his fiction down the line. I am listening to the album High as Hope. Uh, let me make sure I got that right by Florence and the Machine. I just cannot stop. I think when it first, yeah, High as Hope, Florence by Florence and the Machine. When it first came out, I thought, oh, this is not for me. And for some reason, something changed and now it's all I can listen to. Um, Am I watching anything? Oh my God, guys, I am watching um, season four of this show called Shit's Creek. It's, It's funny, but it's not something I would recommend lightly because it can be very dry, 
sarca- like sarcastic white humor. So mm, I don't re- for me then. <laughs> I don't recommend it lightly, but it's one of those things that I feel like would be would tickle some and for others might just be boring and a turn off. But yeah, that's from me. I haven't been con- I'm I'm ashamed to say that I haven't really been consuming like I haven't really been reading much outside of like I don't know the internet and mm. I am still watching Love Island but now I'm <laughs> on season three <laughs> actually sorry to interrupt um, you Fed, but maybe actually down the line we can even recommend articles to a long form essays because it doesn't have uh, to be books yeah, yeah 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 that's good what I even actually need to do I need to be Honestly, I need to be better prepared for this question because it's not a new question, mm. you know. Mm. I need to write it down as I go through the <laughs> through the week. I'd be like, "Oh, this is what I'm reading that I'm enjoying." Mm, um, but I haven't, I haven't really like I I have some books that I've started for for a minute that I haven't finished reading. So mm. yeah, I'm listening to. I've been listening a lot to um, House Fires. Mm. So part of my routine when I get ready in the morning is like worship like praise and worship songs so i've been listening to house fires it's a christian band worship band out of uh atlanta i believe and i'm listening to house fires three two and three it's good nice um i'm listening to the collective's new album live create repeat um, I'm also listening to Show Them Camp's new Palmoy Music 2 album. <gasps> oh my god, they have a new out. one! They do, they do. Um, oh my so I've god. I've been listening to that. Um, and then um, on the Christian front, I've been listening to Jubilee's Worship Atmosphere um, album, Atmosphere Chapter 2 album, rather. Um, yeah. But I haven't. I've been reading science, and I don't know that anybody wants me to refer them to any articles that I'm reading on that front. Um, as far as watching, I think right now I'm just like picking and choosing on Netflix. Like they have a bunch of new stuff out, so just depends on what my cursor lands up. Um, so with that said, thank you guys for listening to our episode. Feel free to engage with us on Twitter and all those other social media places. That we Thank you guys, bye!